Dad, I would like you to tell me what's in the syringe. It's a serum that I need to uh, to stay alive. I have had a rough day, and uh, I've sustained a lot of damage. I'm, I'm pretty close to death, which the serum will prevent. By changing you from a pickle to a human. Yes. Rick, why did you lie to your daughter? So I wouldn't have to come here. Why didn't you want to come here? Because I don't respect therapy. Because I'm a scientist. Because I invent, transform, create, and destroy for a living. And when I don't like something about the world, I change it. And I don't think going to a rented office in a strip mall to listen to some agent of averageness explain which words mean which feelings has ever helped anyone do anything. I think it's helped a lot of people get comfortable and stop panicking, which is a state of mind we value in the animals we eat, but not something I want for myself. I'm not a cow. I'm a pickle. When I feel like it, so... You asked. Rick, the only connection between your unquestionable intelligence and the sickness destroying your family is that everyone in your family, you included, use intelligence to justify sickness. You seem to alternate between viewing your own mind as an unstoppable force and as an inescapable curse. And I think it's because the only truly unapproachable concept for you is that it's your mind within your control. You chose to come here, you chose to talk, to belittle my vocation, just as you chose to become a pickle. You are the master of your universe, and yet you are dripping with rat blood and feces, your enormous mind literally vegetating by your own hand. I have no doubt that you would be bored senseless by therapy, the same way I'm bored when I brush my teeth and wipe my ass. Because the thing about repairing, maintaining, and cleaning is, it's not an adventure. There's no way to do it so wrong you might die. It's just work. And the bottom line is, some people are okay going to work, and some people, well, some people would rather die. Each of us gets to choose. Welcome, everybody, to Aeon Byte, specifically Aeon Byte. Well, I'm sorry, specifically Aeon Byte live here on this Saturday, on this Sabbath. My name is Miguel Connor, and I am still your pompous of Gnosis. So happy to see you on this season of The Witch. And uh, we always love to talk about Jung on this show, one of the patron saints, uh, along with Philip K. Dick of Aeombi, two figures, chaos and order, as we like to say. And um, hope everybody's doing well. I see everybody going into the chat room. I'm sure you know the rules. Uh, keep it uh, keep it safe. Don't turn the, the chat room into a chatico. Don't bring out the witico. Keep it within yourself, or we should say integrate it into your own self. Best thing you can do with the witico, according to Paul Levy. And uh, tonight uh, we are very happy and honored to host Dr. Art Rosengarten. Art, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's truly a pleasure. My pleasure, of course. Yeah. And also, it's always great to be joined by my friend, Dr. Herman S.J.R., my favorite American since Jesus. Yeehaw! How are you, Herman? <laughs> I'm doing great, but even more so after that wonderful intro, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Hopefully nobody asked me to change it. I did this intro with the red pills and all that, and I completely lost the file. So 
that's the intro we're always we're gonna have because so it is and with us too we got somebody who is certainly always wants to be forever young and that is the moondog vance vance how are you doing oh i'm great man you know the deck is stacked we got a great show in the cards yeah yeah. for everybody tonight (laughs) it's in the cards it's in the cards it's always in the cards and uh, yeah, for the audience, again, if you have any questions for uh, Herman or Art or any complaints against me, uh, please super <laughs> chat them. Again, it helps us separate the questions. When you have a super chat, it can be as little as a dollar. It helps separate them and we can get to your questions. And of course, it always helps support this show. The show can only exist because of your support. Um, and that's really it. Not much else uh, as far as housekeeping. Uh, yeah, please support. Don't forget, many other great shows are coming. In fact, in a week, we'll be having a Halloween special. Talk about our favorite Gnostic theme horror movies and other sundries. So let's get started with you. The audience, of the, well, the audience is familiar with Herman. He's been on the show three or four times at least. Uh, and uh, he certainly talked about varied ideas. But Art, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and uh, how you became interested in uh, Jung and the Tarot. Okay, yeah. So um, I work as a clinical psychologist, been in practice for 45 years. I went to an interesting graduate school in San Francisco um, the California Institute of Integral Studies back in the really in the 70s and 80s, um, where I learned first was introduced to tarot when I was studying uh, Jungian psychology. And I fell in love with it instantly and went on to write uh, actually the first doctoral dissertation on the tarot. Uh, which I compared with dream analysis and projective storytelling, uh, uh, thematic apperception test. Uh, Since that time, uh, that was completed in 1985, um, I've been teaching the tarot uh, for the last 30 years. Um, I integrated a bit into my clinical practice. I also... Um, have people uh, requesting uh, readings or coming into my group. Uh, I have a psychological approach to tarot, but when I say psychological, uh, I'm talking really about Jungian slash transpersonal psychology. Um, And I I just think that, you know, as soon as I really saw the tarot deck, it just was so obvious to me that these images are describing psychological experience and elegantly. And so as a, as a tool to supplement, say, talk therapy, um, if I can just show an image, I'll just pick a random card right here, you know, something like this. I don't know if you can see it here. You know, I just picked the uh, Knight of Swords. I might, I might be talking to a person uh, and telling them, you know, I think you're being a little bit too aggressive with your 
professor right now. And you know, see this card here? You know, we can, we can kind of see this energy in the night. Um, and so um, one uh, immediate level, tarot cards are uh, visual markers of psychological experience in a very condensed way where each, each card really operates on multiple levels. And because we're dealing with images and not language, it's immediate, direct, um, intuitive, nonverbal, and uh, a much needed tool in the, you know, the armatorium of psychological techniques, which I use amongst others as well. You know, I, I feel that uh, tarot belongs into what uh, Jung would call um, tools of active imagination. And so other tools that I also use are, you know, dream work is obviously a tool of active imagination. Uh, sand play therapy, you can see my sandbox in the background. Um, and that's, another, that's like three-dimensional tarot in a way. Um, and other, other, other more um, esoteric tools can be utilized in psychotherapy, depending on the person I'm talking to, you know. Uh, but uh, I think my forte, one of them at least, is um, speaking to ordinary people with these rather profound symbols, but translating them into language and th that they can relate to. And, um, you know, I follow what I call is the prime directive of tarot card reading. Yeah. And that is quite simply, the card is always right. <laughs> so um, we take it on faith. This is not an accident. The oracle has shown us this symbol, this image. Now, it may not connect to what we would have wanted or what we expected. But yeah, of course, that's coming out of our own ego sphere. Mm -hmm. Tarot is coming outside. It's coming from its own side. So the card is always right and it's really up to us to kind of rearrange our thinking and our um, uh, introspective search to find where that card what that where that card is true in this moment for us and what are our associations with it and as, as a person takes this initial step, what invariably happens is a pattern will be revealed in a tarot spread that will, and this may, this may sound like hyperbolic, but it will always be accurate. However, 
accurate is not accurate. Accurate is not the correct word of what it will always be. What it, what it will always be is it will always be relevant. It will always be relevant because it has to be. If, if we're not brain dead and we're open and uh, sincere in our apprehension, I'll explain that in a moment, it's a very important step in uh, working with the tarot is to apprehend. I'll explain that. But if, if we are always coming into a reading the right way, with openness, suspending disbelief, right? And um, allowing for the intuitive function, which naturally arises in divination. In a way, divination is a synchronicity generator. Mm -hmm. It invites us to think synchronistically, which is relevant to intuitively. It will always be relevant because the deck of tarot is us. It is a, a, every card is a part of us because these are archetypal images. A very select body of archetypal images, which Jung uh, believed were the archetypes of transformation. Mm -hmm. A small set of the universal archetypes that had to do with the transformation of the human mind. So I say it will always be relevant if we're open because it's talking to us about our deep self. And if we shift to it, we can find relevance immediately and importance. Now, I know I'm talking quite a bit right now. <laughs> no, this is wonderful. I can feel my psyche individuating at yeah. your wise words. Let me it's wonderful. One, one thing that I, I, I said. Sure. I always teach my tarot students this. The, the first step in approaching a tar any tarot card is to apprehend it. Now, I'm talking, I'm not talking about like law enforcement who's apprehending a criminal, okay? Apprehend in the psychological sense is a, a, a perceptual state that precedes comprehend. It is a direct perception of the stimulus without interpretation. So when we see a tarot card, I mean, I'll pick one, okay, the four of pentacles. I just, I don't know if it's showing up too good, but mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter that much. It just, for me, um, the first step is to sit with it meditatively, mindfully, and feel it because really um, 
intuition is about the felt sense. There has to be a um, feeling intuitive engagement with the image. That's what apprehend is. So you sit with it until you experience what I call a click. It's like, ah, I got it. Or I got to take. Okay. Then we may proceed with interpretation if it's if we're in an analytical uh, mode of uh, tarot reading. Now there are you know as as my friend Mary Greer has has taught. There are, are four main uh, styles of tarot card reading. Okay. There there's the analytical which is more interpretive, but there's also the therapeutic style. And I, I use this more and more. And it, it, it's, a, it's equivalent in, in uh, psychotherapy to uh, the Rogerian or humanistic psychological approach where we don't interpret. We essentially facilitate a person's relationship to the card. We may ask some questions like, uh, what is this saying to you? What, what, how does this connect for you? Things like this. And we um, work with the person to go more deeply into the, into the image. That's, that's more the therapeutic style of tarot card reading. Then, then there's um, another style, which some, maybe some of your listeners are familiar with, and that's the psychic reading. <laughs> Okay. Now, um, of course, a good, a, a, a true tarot reader does all of these different styles. You know, just a little bit of all of them, blends them. But these are kind of, if you want to break it down, certain people have, you know, a main kind of approach. Now, the psychic tarot reader, um, some of them are just amazing, really. However, um, having brought several wonderful psychics into my classes to give a demonstration on how they teach the tarot or how they work with it. One of the things I, I've learned from, from a number of them is, uh, ironically, they don't really know the tarot. <laughs> They're not <laughs> tarotists. They utilize the imagery, even just a small detail, as springboards mm -hmm. for psychic reading. And the tarot is wonderful at stimulating, um, you know, that level of awareness, you know, the psychic level. Um, and for, for a natural or a, you know, a gifted psychic, they, they are wonderful for just, you know, um, springboarding or triggering imagery and psychic reading. So that's the third kind. And then there's the fourth kind. Uh, the fourth kind um, is called the magical tarot card reading, the magical style of reading. Now, one way that the magical way of doing it, and I, I know that many different schools have their own interest in, you know, in Tholema and Crowley and ceremonial magic and, all, all sorts of interesting things and the golden dawn and all of this. But most simply put, I think the magical style is about uh, 
the will. So when you see a card, you affirm it at the highest level of your will or your being. Like, I will experience the high priestess when I go home tonight, <laughs> you know, whatever <laughs> it is, right? So it's it's coming, it's using the card to um, uh, go to the highest expression or teaching of the card and affirming that magically. So those are, those are the different styles that I'm familiar with. And I would say that I... Um, I, it depends on the context and who I'm reading. I, I'm a combination really mostly between an analytical and a therapeutic tarot reader in most of my readings. Wonderful, and thank you for that. Yeah, I don't think we need to worry too much about psychological, magical, or metaphysical because, uh, I mean, we are getting into again, these images of the archetypes. I know Becca Tarnas once told me a very easy definition of archetypes. It's a universal that manifests as a particular. But then there's a more traditional archetypes are the formless images that are the building blocks of consciousness. Now, I think in 2023 with quantum physics, the fall of materiality, Everything else, uh, all the research from alternative scientists, from Dr. Dean Radin and all that, we can easily say that if they're the building blocks of consciousness, then they're probably the building blocks of reality. And the rain lies the magic, right? Deciphering and understanding their energies and how they manifest, and even their agendas. Jung said archetypes have an agenda. They're quasi-sentient. Uh, they are working for something, the individuation of the universe, the person, who knows. But it's better if we do what they tell us or else pain comes. But So hey, I wanted to say that, well, Herman, what do you think? Or do you have a question for art or a comment? Since you know the architecture of the mind better than I do. You're only saying a little bit better than I am, just a little a little bit better. Well, now I'm, I'm not so sure how to, uh, what to say, because after your intro of the greatest American after Jesus and Oswald Spangler commented, uh, uh, Vance comes back and brings the heavy hitters, meaning Dr. Art, myself. And uh, so it's like, I want to go out on a high note. Perhaps I should shut up. <laughs> Those are two good intros. <laughs> uh, no, I, I appreciate Dr. Art very much. And um, I, I I love hearing him speak. He's been on Coast to Coast many times. And if you just look at his, please do look at his background, his, uh, his book as well, uh, regardless of your belief in tarot, because Dr. Art is absolutely phenomenal. I have been studying his work for well over 10 years uh, as a scholar and a consultant. For those of you that know what I do, I'll say that a little later. And so, yeah, you're definitely getting a lot of good information today. So to go back to your question here, Miguel, I mean, I really like what you said, Dr. Art, with uh, tarot is universal because it's non-words. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And in my experience, for those of you that don't know, I'm a global change agent. So I'm a doctor of metaphysical psychology. I'm not a clinician. Uh, nothing I ever say is medical advice. I teach, basically put, I teach what I loosely call 
holistic vision. And I define that as the ability to see the foundations and interconnectivity of any atmosphere, no hyperbole. So that basically translates in a very dumbed down way, not in an insulting way, um, in highly complex problem solving. So I train uh, federal, local police, uh, lawyers, uh, psychologists, multi-billion dollar companies, um, engineers, salespeople, various people, because the universals behind that are, uh, or excuse me, the concepts are universal. So it doesn't matter if you just want to be the greatest babysitter in the world, or if you want to be the next uh, counterterrorism expert or the next Oprah or whatever, it doesn't matter. So I really like what you said, Dr. Art, that tarot is universal because it is non-words in my entire career that i've been doing this across countries industries and languages even i have said repeatedly that uh, tarot is the most exceptional tool i have ever come across and and forgive me i I just say this to give a disclaimer as i always do when i talk of tarot i do not believe in tarot i'm a staunch scientific academic uh, not that those who believe in it aren't, but that's just my reasoning. Uh, so I don't believe in it as a divinatory or psychic tool, but I heavily profess it to doctors, lawyers who I train, whoever, it doesn't matter who it is. And I say that it is highly engaging, highly fun, highly in-depth revealing and it is because it is based in non-words in universality it allows any target to apply any kind of definition or meaning or whatever you want to call it very similar to semiotics also known known as semiology just depends on the school of thought that you follow um, that is why it is the most um, the best tool I've ever come across and the tool, all the tools I've been helping people to revamp their mindset. And I like what you said, Dr. Art, that you have a sand play behind you and it's basically 3D tarot. For years, when I'm training whatever, cops, uh, students, university students, whatever entity, it doesn't matter, whatever they want to do, I have said for over 10 years, it doesn't matter what the hell tool you use. That is irrelevant. As long as you take a tool that is able to devise something to give you information and you can translate that information into whatever help you need to accomplish what you want to accomplish. To give you a real story here, one of the other tools that I use is leaves, you know, falling off of a tree, leaf. So I'll do all kinds of weird shit. <laughs> I take out the tarot, um, I take out the leaves, and I'll say, okay, so here's a leaf. Look at it and explain how this leaf illustrates you in your situation today. And many times they say, oh, <laughs> You're an idiot, Dr. Herman. This is stupid. <laughs> uh, they don't say it, but you see it in their face. Um, and uh, it doesn't matter what the tool is. You can go ahead. You can use rocks, tarot, whatever, sand play, which I really love that you do, uh, Dr. Art, and you offer that to people as a 3D tool. And it allows you to tap into your archetype to you your uh, persona characteristic, whatever words you want to use to be able to beat the hell out of your thinking foundation and really present you with information. And more importantly, 
power or empowerment or whatever word you want to say to advance yourself and do what it is that you could previously not even contemplate on doing. And that's why I absolutely love the tarot and I tremendously admire Dr. Art's work for so many for so many years. A couple of things you, I guess you're saying so so many interesting things that occurred to me. Um, one about uh, reading leaves, okay, which is wonderful. I mean, that's 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 very creative. That's wonderful. Now, it it brought to mind um, one of the interesting distinctions between um, tarot cards and the Rorschach. You know the ink blot test that psychologists use. It's a, it's an important distinction, and I'm also trained in that as well, and I've used it. The difference is, you know, the Rorschach. If if those out here listening don't, aren't familiar, is a series of oh maybe twenty pictures that have these kind of abstract ink blots on it, and you show uh, you show a, one of the pictures to a patient. And you ask them the simple question, um, what might this be? Not, what do you think this is? What might this be? (laughs) A person will then project onto this image because the images are meaningless. I mean, they have, they're just whatever you see in them. And a person will talk about, well, I I see this and that and that, and there's a way of interpreting that, et cetera. Now, the tarot, if I were to show you a tarot card and say, what might this be? Similarly, a person at first would project onto, well, for me, this is that, and this is that. That's what I call the projective level of the tarot. However, the tarot has also meaning from its own side. You can say whatever you think this is, but the tarot actually is not empty and free for anyone to to be anything for anybody. It comes with a compact and you know centuries of scholarly work on terms of the uh, agreed upon meanings that can correspond with multiple systems, uh, you know, like astrology or Kabbalah or numerology. So it has its own meaning, but it also invites your projection. Uh, The Rorschach does not. (laughs) It is what you say it is. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. 
Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Now, the, the second thought that I, I had when, when, when uh, you were talking, Dr. Herman, is um, sand play. Now, my deck, Tarot of the Nine Paths, was made completely out of sand play scenes. I made it in my sandbox. You know, I, I don't know what the reflection. Here's an example of, of a card. Here's the chariot. You can see the sandbox in there. So I, I um, actually created a deck uh, completely out of sand, sand, sand play miniatures moved around in um, a scene that I felt intuitively and artistically most captured the kind of teaching of a particular car. Then I, then I photographed it in multiple ways and, and layered it um, with certain uh, glyphs and uh, other things that the card uh, comes with in terms of standard tarot. But sand play was the medium that I created my deck from, which is kind of unique. I don't know that it's ever been done before like that. No, very fascinating. And Vince, what do you think? I am, of course, a little handicapped because I haven't done the tarot in years. As we talked when we had a little phone call, um, I the I Ching is my thing, my my uh, yeah, my uh, synchronicity maker and understanding what's going on in my psyche and my unconscious. And of course, Jung was very much into the I Ching too. So, but Vince, you you certainly are a tarot dealer. So tell us, do uh, you have any question <laughs> or comment from the audience? Oh, yeah. I, I have no tarot for sale, though. As I'm not that kind of dealer. <laughs> but uh, I, I, have a little, uh, I have a little way of thinking about it that actually applies to I Ching, too. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a firm believer in the infinite power of the universe and, so, and the infinite multiverse, so to speak. So when I hold a tarot deck or if I hold the coins for the I Ching in my hand and I either toss the coins or I deal into a certain um, spread of tarot, there's all these different possibilities that I could be laying out, right? That in other words, that deck, before you deal those cards, the, it's like you know, it's like Schrodinger's cat. You don't know what, what the really cards are. So you deal them out and your cosmic connection to the infinite will pick out the cards that you want to that 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 you intuitively, not consciously, want to see up there for the particular situation. And if you're doing a reading for a person, your connection with that person will, if you put the intention in your mind, that will connect with the with the outlay of the cards. So that's my explanation of how the cards can be relevant for a particular situation. Now that you know involves mystical theory, but that's that that's what I think. And uh, the tarot being such a great symbolic language, just a language in itself, you know, um, a nonverbal language. I think, Dr. Art, you were alluding to that. And, thing, um, I'm sorry. Uh, one famous saying that uh, Eliphas Levi, the great 19th century French occultist who really did a lot to advance the tarot in a, on a metaphysical level, said that tarot is a book that informs by making one think. And that's 
I mean, I think that's a great statement. It's, you know, if you um, laid out a, a number of these amazing little magic cards and you really started um, delving into them, it just kind of triggers all kinds of unconscious content and intuitive thoughts and oh, yeah. psychic uh, received thought, telepathic thoughts, all of that. Yeah, I didn't get quite that far in my little explanation because obviously you'd have to have a prior knowledge of the cards in order to subconsciously cause the right decks, you know, to come out of the wave function, so to speak. And then there's so many aspects to each card that that's where the imagination, the imaginal comes in, like Jung, yeah. Jung said. Yeah. And so that yeah. completes the, the the reading process. That's my view of it. Well, that, I mean, that's... You know, one one of the things nobody knows the true origin of tarot. It's a mystery, and I have, I have friends who are tarot historians that have spent a lot of their career researching the origins. It's up for grabs. There's a lot of theories, mm -hmm. but I, I I like the idea that the the first designer of tarot, which is the big question, is actually it's um, it's the human mind. It's the it's the collective unconscious. It's the, the deep psyche that channeled this information coming maybe from universal knowledge. I, you know, we, we don't know, and it emerged in the psyche or psyches of uh, human beings, who then um, translated that into imagery. Now, Jung, Jung spoke about the archetype can never be known directly. All we can know is the archetypal image. And that's how we perceive through imagery. So, yeah, I mean, in, in a way, uh, Vance, that kind of, kind of connects with some of your thinking in terms of this universal energy, I think. It's... Uh, but. My personal, my personal um, bent on that is it's a tool for the human mind. And it's kind of man's residue of deep blueprints in human evolution of consciousness. And that, you know, I, I've done classes on this subject. If... At some time in the future, not that far away, you know, with, with what's happening with like, uh, you know, chat GPT and, and we, you know, the bots take over <laughs> or, or the aliens come down. Somebody, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> these things are possible, right? The tarot is a map that will tell the human evolution story that where so much of it could, could just disappear because it, it is constantly being um, uh, derived and changed and uh, intellectualized and, uh, you know, scientifically developed but the 
away from maybe the core pure archetypal principles that are innate to human nature. So it, it, in a way, it's, it's, the, it's a map of deep human nature, is the way I say it. Um, I didn't even say anything about the individual cards themselves. Miguel, you're on mute. <laughs> it was the tarot who made me do this. There you go. What are you saying, Miguel? <laughs> I was going to say, but still, the map is not the territory. You still have to experience it. I mean, Jung did say, uh, what I love about Jung or I deciphered about Jung is that you don't have to dis- you don't have to decipher the symbols. You like you said, experience it first. That's where the true yeah, gnosis yeah. happens. I, I, I agree. You know, in my in my current tarot uh, class, uh, I've just begun a new uh, iteration of it. And um, unlike my most of my previous uh, classes of the tarot circle, where I've taught, you know, the, uh, you know, kind of the compiled meanings of every card in a graduated way, I'm not doing any of that now. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm going totally, quote, therapeutic method, uh, you know, and I'm saying use your own intuition and I facilitate, you know, what do you, go ahead, feel comfortable. You can talk, you know, look at the image and notice what you're feeling and wait for that click and feel comfortable and talking about your experience coming out of that. And I think, that's a great way for particularly for new people with the tarot. That's a great way to start working with the tarot. Mm-hmm. Do your cards have titles? Uh, I yes. forgot you showed one. Yes. I think I thought every card on, on the bottom uh, has, as a title, um, both the title of the card, like on the top, it says the high priestess and on the bottom, it will have its agency. So uh, the high priestess is an agent of intuition. Um, and uh, here's another card I picked. Now, here's a, one of the new cards. Remember, I told you I, I have an, an elaborate theory of why the tarot was short five cards. It all has to do with something I've researched for uh, probably 20 years. It has to do with the magical properties of number nine, if you want to get into it. But that's rather evolved. I mean, elaborate. But here is one of the five new cards, you know, and Miguel was kind of, uh, I think Miguel was talking, this card is called the Great Web. It's actually the final card that I've added to the Major Arcana, and it's an agent. The word that it says underneath it is interbeing. Now, interbeing is a term that was um created by the the great uh, Vietnamese Zen Buddhist Thich Nhat Hanh. You may be familiar with Yeah, wonderful, wonderful man. And and so he uses the word interbeing really to talk about um, interdependency, uh, how everything is interconnected in this great web. And so that I, uh, is an example on the bottom. You'll see in red in, in my deck, Tower of the Nine Paths, um, the keyword. It's just a keyword, which is an umbrella word um, to give you the, the umbrella spectrum, though there are multiple, almost infinite angles a person can come into 
a single tarot card. Right? You know, and, and that's the richness because these are, you know, archetypes. They're virtually inexhaustible. Yet with the tarot, each tarot card is um, non-redundant and um, unlike and different than all the other tarot cards. There will be some parallels and some a little bit of overlap, but each card of, of the major arcana in particular um, has its own spectrum of possibility. That was the subtitle of my book, uh, Tarot Psychology, uh, Spectrums of Possibility. Each tarot card now presents a discrete spectrum where there's an inexhaustible range of associations, but it's different than the spectrum of every other tarot card. So it's a vast collection of information. Very interesting. And um, I don't know, um, I don't know if this is getting too far off, but I, I wanted to pick your brain on this art because I think more than ever, people are, whether it's social media, the news, college campuses, people are projecting their shadow more than ever. They're completely disconnected from any sort of inner world and everything else. Yet at the same time, and especially in occultism and mysticism, shadow work has become very popular, even though people, I don't think they get it. How can the, how do you use the tarot to help people connect with their shadow? Because collective and individual shadows are running amok today. Oh, if you don't. Totally <laughs> so. Absolutely. I mean, well, it's a very, it's a very crazy time we're living in. It's, it, it, it truly is. Okay. Now, um, you know, um, you know, Jung's basic, you know, Jung essentially coined the term shadow, the shadow, as you know. And, you know, it's a understood as a split off part of ourselves projected outward because we ha or we're, have, you know, we're uncomfortable looking at that piece in ourselves. And so, you know, Jung said really uh, psychotherapy in it, at, its, at its essence, is shadow work. And the goal is to identify shadow content and withdraw our projections outward and look at those parts within ourselves. Now, uh, social media is just ripe for projection. And it has, you know, so many other, you know, and also um, persona. I mean, it's all about persona. It's, you know, your appearance and how you look, how you want to, the persona that you want to project out in the world. And there's, uh, though I don't really do social media, I've certainly, you know, glanced at it, you know, like Facebook or something, but you don't really... Um, see the real person in social media at all. And there, there is a, almost a, a kind of a infatuation with the persona. 
And it's we're our whole culture is about mm -hmm. image and this this kind of exterior uh, false self that's being projected out into the world and we're all bouncing off of everybody's persona and so when somebody is serious with a tarot reading it goes under that very quickly <laughs> very very quickly and it, it's so interesting because uh, I always tell people, you know, if I have new people coming in uh, for a reading or something, or I might be at a gathering or a dinner party or something, and I say, "Hey, Art, you, you, I hear you read cards. You want to read my cards?" I, I always, I always warn them, "Yes, I, I'd be happy to, but let me just tell you, um, this is not like a parlor game, <laughs> and it's gonna get very real." <laughs> And very serious, very quickly. And uh, I'm always comfortable with that, but we might want to go into a private space. This is not like a, a you know, a magic show or something like that. Right. I once, I once, uh, I once worked at one of these mega conventions by some tech company with 5,000 engineers and people with, entertainment bands and you know down at the convention center they they hired me as as part of their entertainment yeah. <laughs> and I had, I had a table and people are wearing you know like tuxedos etc strolling around and kind of chatting and people would kind of come up to my table and say what tarot cards and they'd laugh and stuff and and, and these were kind of engineer types who really don't give a lot of typically a lot of credence to, you know, this kind of new age flaky kind of. And so I, I, I say, well, would you like to, would you like to have a reading? And yeah, yeah, well, sure. Yeah. Why not? And everything, or have a drink in their hand. Yeah, let's sit down. I said, okay. And we begin to read the cards and I just read the way I always read. And all of a sudden that persona just drops. Oh, wow. And they're going, they're no, showing me the, Ooh. And, and and I said, well, this one's kind of about your relationship here, and it's talking about a dynamic you're having with your wife, and, and yeah, yeah, really, wow, what, what is that? And, and so a, a, after it's over, you know, these are pretty short readings, you know, ten minutes or something. Uh, well, well, thank you very much. And he, and he gets up and he starts walking away. And one of his buddies comes up and and says, hey, how's your how was your how was your tarot card reading, right? And, and the guys say, oh, it was pretty interesting. It was, it was interesting. And, and that's what tarot is. It, it, it really is uh, pretty interesting. Um, you know? Well, maybe that's a solution. Maybe both Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, before you log in to Facebook or Twitter or X, you need to, a tarot reading. Maybe drop your mask integrate your shadow don't let it be projected maybe that's a solution who knows i had a fantasy uh, for years <laughs> that my ultimate goal uh, as, as a tarotist would be um in invited into the white house to give private readings to obama oh, wow. I would have responded to it quite well uh it would not be known it would be secret but 
Uh, and I, in my classes, we often deal with world issues. Um, many times, 9-11, we had a group process with Tarot or, uh, I mean, over the years, I've been teaching for so long. But in terms of policy and serious, you know, things like Dr. Herman uh, is, is involved with, um, this is a very, very powerful and creative tool that's very productive and if you get past the giggle factor with, with don't don't know what 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 it is at all they're completely ignorant yet they have the arrogance to look down and and giggle at it when you know what's in this what's in this process is something more powerful i dare say than they likely have ever experienced in their whole political careers in terms of depth, mm -hmm. right? in terms of heart, in terms of, you know, insight. So um, it, it is part of the struggle of, you know, people, uh, you know, our kind of people that are open to the teachings, you know, the wisdom teachings and the ancient uh, tools that know that they're are maybe more relevant today than ever. They're more needed today, in my opinion, than ever. I mean, science is wonderful. Well, let science do science. You know, mm -hmm. my kids are scientists. So I have great respect for science. But science is not going to provide the, the, the dimension that we're talking about here you know, the awareness and the wisdom dimension. And the combination together is powerful. I like, uh, sorry, Miguel, go ahead. No, no, I just heard something fall. Maybe it was in my head. Maybe it was my maybe, shadow. Anyway, maybe go ahead. Cat, your cat was behind you, so maybe the cat fell. <laughs> They're going to do something, yeah. I don't trust them. I, They're chaos, I, these cats. I, I, I love cats. I'm a cat person. I, I, I really like what you uh, said throughout the chat, of course, Dr. Art, but also at the end that science can't provide, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but science can't provide everything that I'm going to say metaphysics or non-science or whatever you want to call it is needed to provide for us for whatever help or yeah. evidence or whatever word you want to say. And as a staunchly scientific person i also teach at different universities across the world i have said that for years i fortunately and unfortunately i'm a fighter i am always ready for a fight uh i do and don't like that part of myself but i go after the skeptics who are scientists and academics you know since i'm not to be an idiot and you know this is nothing to do with ego but i have six university degrees so i know how to combat the scientists that are in this arena this arena this arena because i practice interdisciplinarity and universals basically you can equate it to something like systems and i have said for years that we need to do that whatever you want to call it base yourself in science hardcore as much as possible however you do need to make the jump or the stretch or whatever word you want to say to be able to go into those things that are tarot and magic and occult science and yes i teach that it is occult science not occult crap um 
it is psychic. Yeah, I'm a blunt person, Miguel knows. Uh, psychicism is real. Magic is real. Not the flaky stuff that you see that's perpetuated in Hollywood and everything. Um, but I really like what you said there because you're right. As scientists, we do need to take a leap or do extrapolation, as I call it, um, to be able to tap into and then know, understand, and then furthermore, use those, whatever you want to call it, ethereal themes or metaphysical themes. That's why I wanted my doctorate in metaphysical psychology. And science, I agree, is not going to provide you with all that stuff. And if you base yourself only in science, you're going to miss a shitload of other stuff that is outside the arena of science. I, I say that carefully because it's still science. It's just not you know, traditional science uh, that you can really benefit from, such as tarot, such as sand play or anything like that. And I like, um, if I may here, Miguel, I, I would like to make this as real as possible. One thing about me is I'm very blunt, very in your face, very hardcore results. Don't give me philosophical hippie shit. I want to know how to do this and this. So if I may, I'd really like to see, I'm watching the chat here, and if anyone has any specific questions on how maybe we could help uh, give you answers on possibilities, not that we know everything, of course, on using tarot to do whatever, to acquire this gnosis or whatever. Maybe there's a, a way that you've been using tarot for X amount of time and it's not working or you're not sure of how to use it. If there's any way that we could help, please ask those questions in the chat. I just want to um, finish here by saying that uh, I understand that Tarot is perpetual. You touched on this, Dr. Art, in your last conversation here. Tarot is perpetual. It's beautiful because you can use the same card for as many readings as you want, as many exercises as you want. It will not tire, and that is not hyperbole. You can use it again and again and again, and that is exactly one of the things that I teach to whatever entity I'm teaching. For example, when I'm training uh I did a training for project managers in a multi-billion dollar company. And I said, okay, here are um, 10 cards, or excuse me, it was five cards. Here are five cards, just random cards. And I said, so look at them and tell me which two would you choose as your directors, the directors under you for this team that they would reply to you or they would report to you and tell me why. So the tarot shows all the variables that you think that tarot card would then suit to be director one or to director two. So then they would say, okay, I think this card, this card. And I say, okay, tell me why. And tell me every single variable on that card as much as possible, of course, hopefully 100%. Everything, uh, all the little people, all the little stars, all the little dust, everything possible of how it played into your decision. So very quickly, they won't know it, but you will pick up on when you're listening to them that they're biased in this way. They're racially biased this way. They're gender biased this way. Not going to get into gender uh, these days. Uh, <laughs> quiet, Miguel. I saw your face. Canceled, <laughs> canceled, <laughs> all, <you're> <laughs> all these different, all these different things. 
And then you say, okay, uh, they'll say something like, okay, I think this kind of rugged drawing represents it would be this kind of forceful individual. I could use it in this way, this way, this way. So yeah. it's not right or wrong. Most of the answers in all, almost all my exercises, I say, is almost no wrong answer. But it does show revealing information how they think and how they yes, act. That, that, of, of course, you know, I, I, it's wonderful. Now, here's just one tarot. You can just with every tarot card, but I don't know if, you, if this, you see this tarot card yeah, here? Classic, uh, Somewhat, yes. Yeah. Somewhat. Right. It's the seven of, of cups, and it's this figure. There's these seven different cups uh, suspended in air, and in, in each cup or chalice, there's a different symbol. And one, there's a head. And the one next to it, there's like a shroud. And one has a fruit. Another has a kind of like a gila monster. Another has a leaf. One has a dragon, etc. So what, what this card, this card basically has the meaning of um, uh, paralysis before too many choices. Mm. Yeah. Which one mm -hmm. should I pick? I could go this way or this way or that way. I just don't know which one. So when a person gets this card, I often will ask them, tell me which cup you're most and least attracted to and why. Okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and right there, you will learn a whole lot about that person. You probably could spend the next 30 minutes just yep. talking about their answers there. Yeah. And so it, it's become such a useful kind of, um, you know, synchronicity generator or projective test, whatever you want right. to call it. Right. Uh, whereas if you were to just ask that person with words, well, you know, tell me what you're, what you're interested in and what you're not that interested in. That's going to come out in a very narrow band of information. Right. It's going to be limited. They're not really have the opportunity to see these possibilities in one snapshot and allow their intuitive function to scan and trust their emotion and say this one and that one. Very quick. Very quick. Just pulls it out. And there you have it. Yeah, veterans of a thousand psychic wars. We keep going Jungian on your ass in the second part, with Art granting us mind-blowing insights on using the tarot as an oracle, and Herman providing an exercise on breaking through the matrix simulation with the tarot. So please subscribe for the second part, or if you find any value in this content, and it really does help keep this red pill cafeteria open. There are many ways to sub and many ways to support, and one that will fit your needs or budget. I mean, you can sub on Patreon for as little as three bucks a month. If you need any help with any of these choices, just let me know. The alternative solution of the Gnostics is more critical than ever in this Philip K. Dick world and Gnostic times. But this is our time to shine like crazy diamonds we high priests and priestesses of Hermes, the god of thieves, and Sophia, the goddess of smugglers. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self. 
here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. <laughs>